0: Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome back to another episode of Shada of Philosophy. And today we're sticking with the meditations, as I'm sure you kind of expected this point. And uh, we're going to actually go back to debts and lessons because I enjoyed that last conversation. I thought it was kind of interesting. So we're going to bounce around a little bit in this chapter or this book for a little while. Um, and let's look today at number five. He's thanking his first teacher. So my first teacher, Marcus says, thanking him for The following, not to support this side or that in chariot racing, this fighter or that in the games, to put up with discomfort and not make demands, to do my own work, mind my own business, and have no time for slanderers. So let's start with the the last sentence here, right? So no time for slanderers, mind my own business, do my own work. Those are three really important things, right? I think those are three things that are even like super relevant today given our modern social media age, right? What if you minded your business, did your own work, and made no time for slanderers or people who spoke negatively of you? Gossip is poison. That's one rule I have with myself. I do not gossip. Like that, to me, is one of the biggest wastes of time. To sit around and speak negatively about other people, to me, is weird. I'm all for a joke here or there, right? Especially, I prefer jokes that are like in, let's say like, uh, just like kind of, you know, Like affectionate jokes like like a family you know can joke about its members together right i even think at times there's room for venting right maybe we need space in a family or group of friends to speak negatively of someone to kind of get it off our chest and maybe the other person hopefully will provide a perspective that might be useful maybe we're not seeing things the right way so that's not what i think he means by slander right and he's a roman emperor right so he would deal he would have you know been dealing with this a lot you know unhappy people in the empire talking about him he's walking down the street or you know he's looking out a window and he sees people and he's reminded of the fact that you know especially as an emperor but we could think about this on really every level of humanity you're never going to make everybody happy right whatever role you play in life you know even you know if you're a parent and you have a couple kids like somebody's going to be aggravated eventually right that's a part of being in human society right but this idea of slanderers gossip like that inherently i think unfortunately so as a part of the human condition right we could argue that we're naturally social beings life is difficult we all have emotions and thoughts right it's going to happen here or there but i think trying to avoid it and making as little time for it as possible is a good idea right so this teacher of his right must have encouraged him like look don't waste time with that so i think for me and I've, i've seen this with certain just people i've been around like some people really make a lot of time to either, A, slander other people, speak negatively about them, gossip about them for no reason, or we could even think of slander, too, maybe as speaking um, falsehoods, right, as lying. I think that's an interesting part to add to this as well. So if you know you did X, Y, or Z, and you, you have the belief that people are saying you didn't, you really shouldn't worry about that at all, right? So maybe slander, we could even extend the definition to an extent to not even just be negative gossip. It's like negative and untruthful. Gossip, because especially at that point, it's like this is this, this is not you know this doesn't warrant my time. I should not spend my time on people lying about me, and I also, of course, should not spend my time lying about others. And as I said earlier, it's like not even you know, not even making room for the gossip negativity that even might be true. Because what are we really doing when we do that? Again, if we're not having some type of therapy with it, where we're expressing it to get off our chest, what have you, it really is just like not a good way to spend our time. Right. And there's a lot of great moments and meditations that we'll likely cover where Marcus is encouraging himself like, what should he spend his time on? And once again, I think last episode we talked about the power of this whole book, right, of debts and that word debt meaning obligations. That word obligations meaning we have a positive, in some cases, sense of indebtedness to ourselves. Well, and our loved ones, but let's extend that even, right? For the Stoic, you have an indebtedness to the whole world right? The Stoics sort of, you know, among other reasons or in other ways stood out from the ancient Greeks to be like, no, it's not just about like like your city, your city state, right? Because the Greeks also throughout history really fought each other, right? The Spartans and the Athenians famously in the Peloponnesian War. I mentioned last episode, my Papu, my grandfather fought in the Greek Civil War, which, you know, happened a few decades ago. So historically, sorry, So historically, you have these moments in ancient Greek and modern Greek, and even recently with the economic crisis, right? You had people riding in the streets, fighting each other, right? Different political parties. So you have this history of like, and this isn't, of course, just Greece, obviously, right? Um, But I think Marcus, as a Roman, and applied to Rome too, right, of course, um, sort of saw that well, we have to make this better. Right. So the Stoics were saying they believed in the idea that we're all global citizens. Right. And they they believe that we're all connected because of the nature of the universe. So there's a debt there to try to do good things, to do just things because we're all linked together. And that's a profoundly cool, I think, and powerful idea for the Stoics that they bring to the forefront of a lot of their philosophies. Right. So to do my own work, as he's telling himself here, that work is the work of a person. And that means that we're linked to all other people and we're linked to nature and we're linked to the universe. And you see him in this meditations also make really interesting references to nature to inspire himself, not just human nature, but like nature, nature. We see him talk about and grapple with the universe. We're all linked together. We're all connected. It's a very cool idea. So your work for him, when he's telling, telling himself, this teacher taught me to do my own work. That's a profound statement. That's work that is to serve everybody. Right? And that should keep us busy. That's a big, that's a big ask or a big obligation, if you will. Then mind your own business too. Let's even think about this. How can you mind your business more? Which is more than maybe just saying, although this could be a good idea too. Like, how can you spend less time on social media? Maybe the argument isn't getting rid of it entirely. But how could you spend 20 minutes less a day on social media and then spend that 20 minutes doing your own work, minding your own business? And how might that affect you intellectually, spiritually, physically? So things to think about there. But I think those are three really cool imperatives. Do your own work. See that it's important. Do work that you think is purposeful. Mind your own business and have no time for slanderers. Don't be someone who does that. And also don't spend time thinking about those that do next line to put up with discomfort and not make demands so i think there are times in life where we should make demands 100 percent let me start off by saying that and once again he doesn't say the word never here but i think when we interpret this as you know um in a charitable sense right which is to say maybe there's something good here um the stoics were big on not creating unrealistic and or just not creating frequent expectations on things we cannot control, right? We've talked about this already. It's going to come up a lot because I think it's a powerful idea. Once again, repetition in itself is powerful, right? Carries weight. So I think that's sort of what he's saying here, right? To not make demands means to accept what is and make the best of it from his perspective, right? So what demands do you place on the world? What demands do you place on yourself? Could you place healthier demands on yourself? Could you place demands that put you, let's say in a zone of optimal development where you're challenged, right? But you're not so challenged that you quit and then you can move forward in a way that's um, as healthy, as happy and also as productive as possible. Because we have to make demands on ourselves. If you don't make demands on yourself, life will not be as fulfilling. And I, I firmly believe in that. And I think for me, this chapter too, of course, as we had in our last episode too, gets gets me thinking about my family. I'm very grateful because I, I think about my mother here. My mother was always and still is, thank God, you know, very loving. She also made demands of us. She had expectations of me as a child. It wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't um unconditional acceptance of what I did. It wasn't unconditional encouragement of what I was doing. It was, you know, we have to have expectations of how we're going to behave. We have to have expectate you have to have and this is something she maybe didn't say explicitly, right? But she's like, "No, you have to have expectations for you. You have to set goals. You have to move yourself forward in life. You have to try your best." Right? So I think when we think, you know, when we remark on parenting, we have to sometimes, you know, especially when we're adults, right? Parent ourselves in a in a way. And that's literal from like a almost, you know, like a psychoanalysis point of like we all have stuff from our childhood that we still deal with that we have to confront, right? Some of us may be better at that than others. And in which case you kind of are, it's like you are the 35-year-old you talking to the 15-year-old you like, come on, get over this. Or come on, let's, let's learn from this and let's move on, right? So the idea too of like not making demands is interesting, right? So there's by that, I mean, there's different ways to interpret this that might be helpful. So we have to learn to not make demands of the external world, I think is what he's trying to say, but we should make demands of ourselves. Again, that we tell the truth, that we act justly, that we act courageously. That's a demand. When you get inspired by an idea too, right? I'm I'm, I'm sure we could all relate to this. When you really get motivated, that motivation, that inspiration is kind of like making a demand on you. The Greeks would say like the muses descend from heavens right they just kind of inspire us in different ways the gods too would descend from mount olympus and like almost make demands of you right the muse being an external thing i think is very cool right it's like this this powerful idea that's that's you know it's driving you that's kind of a demand in a sense so maybe we think about internal demands and how those might be healthy and unhealthy how we can work with that more effectively and we think of the notion that again if we free ourselves From expectations to a larger extent, on or from placing expectations and demands onto the external world, we have to ask: Would we be happier? To do a good thing, Marcus says later in Meditations, that's the reward. If you do a thing with good intentions and you've thought about it rigorously and you do think it's a good thing, that's enough. He writes to you know himself as the emperor to say that because maybe he passed a law or he did something for society that was a good thing in his mind, but like nobody cared they maybe even benefited from it, but he didn't get a thank you, right? Or, or seemingly there was a lack of appreciation. We all deal with this. Back to parenting for a minute. Parenting is a very thankless job at times. I'd imma- I don't have kids. I'd imagine, right? Like you do all this stuff for these people and they might, people meaning your children, right? And they don't necessarily always have the best time at the thing you planned, or they don't always, you know, say thank you in the exact way you would like them to. And we can think about this in like every human relationship In relationships too. You do something nice for somebody, they're having a rough day or whatever, and they just don't, they're not, they're not as, you know, grateful as you thought they'd be. Right. Um, one thing too, and I, you know, I think about this with work as well, of course, right. It's like, or you help a colleague out they just don't really say thank you. Right. Or like they don't reciprocate in the way you would like them to. Well, who really benefits from you getting mad about that? Nobody. You can learn from it or maybe I'm not going to reach out and help them like that again, right? The uh, This is interesting too to consider like the, the five love languages. I'm kind of bouncing around with ideas here. I apologize. Um, but going back to like romantic relationships, right? The five love languages, we all express love and receive love in different ways, right? So if you are expecting to hear, let's say, Uh, words of encouragement is one example, I think, or affirmation, or I guess it'd be affirmation, confirmation. I don't know. Maybe you expect to hear words and that's a way that you receive love, but your significant other doesn't really express love in that way. Maybe they are more into, I think another language is like giving gifts, right? So when they give you a gift or they bring you food or something, right? That might be their way of expressing love and you have to kind of learn with that, right? So you have to learn how to Express gratitude and also understand that other people might not express gratitude, not because they don't appreciate it or they don't appreciate you, but because they don't understand that in the same way. That meaning that exp- that mode of expressing love. Right. This, this works with all types of love. I'll give you an ex- another example. My sister and I are very different. We have a great relationship. I, I, I admire her. I love her. I, we're like friends, right? Look, I mean, she ignored me for pretty much the first 25 years of her life. But now, and just a brief story on this, because this, this pissed me off. She sent me a photo of outside my apartment. She's like, on, oh, i by your place. I was home. Come in. And this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened. I'm like, why would you not just ring the, you know, I'll buzz you up? Like, why are you not, you know? It's weird to me. Anyway, she will express love. By like dropping off, again, dropping off, not really wanting to hang out. Uh, That's like a half joke. She'll like drop off food. Like if she goes to Costco, I know I'm going to get blueberries, for example, right? That's her way. But if I try to hug her, she's not having it, you know? And I hug everybody. Everybody in my family, I'm hugging everybody constantly. I hug my friends, right? Everybody. She does not like hugging, just not her thing. She she will walk away literally. She'll put it like she will stiff arm you. She's not having it, right? But I am less likely to like, think of something at the store and drop it off to her. Right? So different ways. And we can really apply this. This is a really cool idea, I think, to all of our uh, different relationships and roles in, in life. Um, so again, if I demanded that she hug me, it would just be awkward. Right? Not the move. So ultimately, we have to learn to accept and we have to learn to help others, offer them things that will be healthy for their growth and not constantly at the very least be making demands that things go the way you want them to go this also relates really nicely to the stoic idea of amor fati right that arabic um saying i love so much the stone that cannot be moved moved should be kissed right it is what it is i'll get blueberries we're not gonna hug that often it's fine right I still love her i know she loves me it's great we're good siblings all right so this first line hmm I don't really get this. I think maybe this is sort of, this could be literal, right? So to say to not support this side or that in the chariot racing, this fighter or that in the games, that could literally mean like don't pay much attention to those things because they're not philosophy, right? So maybe it's like you can go and enjoy because Marcus also too was like, you know, practicing philosophy, of course, doesn't mean it's like you're just shut in your room reading books all day. Obviously, it's the opposite of that. But maybe it's like you don't want to get too much into that aspect of things. Maybe it's that I don't know. I really don't know about this line. Um, maybe it means like to be open to the idea. I don't know. Yeah, that's the best I got for that. That could have been very literal. And I, I'm confronted with this a lot in the, with the meditations because some of them also seem random. I'm like, I don't know what could, I, I what could what could even be said about this that would make sense. So we'll leave this there, right? I think that was a good uh, good few minutes, or hopefully it was. So hope this was useful for you. Uh, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Take care.